Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you're tuning in. We are Slava and Jonathan, bringing you the SideQuest Podcast, where we talk about character development, stories, and all things that are world-building. And we occasionally take side quests, because, frankly, that's how conversations work. Just as a reminder, this whole show is spoiler-heavy. So, sit back, tune in, and join us on this episode of SideQuest. We are back at it again, Jonathan. Another Saturday morning. Saturday mornings. That's where it's at. You'll find us black flaming it up. Damn Maybe. straight. Something. The dragon advances. The dragon destroys. The dragon conquers. The dragon stomps. Uh, yeah. Conquers. Same, same? Question mark? Oh, same. What emotionally moved you this week, Slava? What emotionally moved me this week? It wasn't a good emotional movement. I'm just exhausted. I've prepared for the Super Bowl of conferences for for my industry. So I'm a little bit emotionally spent. Let's nice. put it that way. Nice. So you know how last week I said I was going to knuckle down and try and get all this stuff done? Yeah. I did it. I got it all done. Awesome. Not super well, some of it, because time was still a limitation, but we did get it all done to the best that I was in charge of, and I'm happy about that. Proud of myself. Good for you, man. Thank you. I don't think I learned anything new at the moment, but uh, did you learn, you do any new recipes this last week? So I learned two new things this week. I learned a new recipe, a new Italian sauce, which I tried over pasta with some veal cutlets. It was delicious. And then the second thing I learned was the difference between a Watsonian and a Doyleist analysis of books and movies. Huh? Do you know what that is? Nope. Okay. So Watsonian versus Doyleist is, it's a reference to Watson and Doyle, right? Mm -hmm. So Dr. Watson and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote about Watson and Mm -hmm. Sherlock Holmes. So- Watsonian commentary relates to in-world stuff. Doyle commentary relates to out-of-world commentaries. Anybody can be either one when they're analyzing a piece of fiction or a book or a movie. Interesting. It kind of gets into something we've talked about before where I told you about external insights versus internal insights. I didn't know there was a a thing for that. Yeah, it's called Watsonian Doyleist uh, analysis. Huh. All right. Cool. I dig it. I yeah, dig what it. about you? What'd you learn? Did I you learn anything. I, you just I said you didn't you. learn anything. I told right? you. Yeah. I yeah. learned that you nothing. don't listen to me. I don't. What are we doing again? Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 That uh, that checks out. I guess. Great. That was a great episode. Uh, happy to see you guys. Uh, yep. I guess Click we'll... that subscribe button for more riveting five minute episodes about what Jonathan didn't learn. Yeah. And that Slava doesn't listen to me. Anyway, halt. Unruly adventurers, before you make another mistake and miss a podcast, smash that subscribe button because you don't want to lose out on all the treasure that lies ahead. No, you don't. Because there's a lot of treasure. Knowledge is treasure. Learning about new, fascinating books. Mm-hmm. That's treasure. Mm-hmm. I'd say. So you want to tell the boys and girls what we did last week? 
Sounds good. We discussed the first half of Black Flame, where Lyndon and Yaren are running the Black Flame trials. Ethan is trying to pull together some sort of master plan, uh, all at the behest of Cassius, his counterpart in the Black Flame Empire. And the Jai clan is trying to throw a coup against the Aurelius family and the Black Flame Empire to increase their rankings, as it were, in the world stage of who's more powerful. That's the short version. Why don't you give us the plot summary? Sure thing. The plot summary. So, Jai Daisho, the overlord of the Jai clan, stages a coup against the Aurelius family, and it nearly succeeds until Athan reveals his path that's based on pure Madra. And what that means, boys and girls, is you can take a broomstick and murder the <laughs> crap out of about seven high golds. Or was it nine? It doesn't matter. Heads were rolling and bodies nine. were flailing. Nine it is. Linden advances to low gold. Yaren reaches high gold. They do finish the Black Flame course. Jailong and Gokrin confront Linden and Yaren, but are ultimately fought off. Jailong runs away. Gokrin gets stopped like the bitch that he is by an awesome turtle named Orthos. Mm-hmm. And then Linden is... Nope, not in then. After he finishes the course and Gokrin is stomped, Ethan shows up and tells Linden to go find Jai Chan, Jai Long's little sister. Linden does, destroys a bunch of her furniture because Orthos is... Uh, Behind yeah. him, eating chairs and, you know, barreling through doorways. Yeah. But he cures Jai Chan. And something that I noticed, and I called it, and Jonathan confirmed it. I didn't know such and thing. And Jonathan confirmed it with a wink. Nope. There might be something to Jai Chan and Lyndon. Whatever that something is, whether it's full-blown romance or just a little flirting, it seems like she kind of likes him. I'm, I'm, I'm getting that vibe. Even this early on in the book. So more I on that. No in such book. thing. Yeah, well, well, yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's how I read this, your text. This is how he doesn't How am I to supposed me. to read the text when I asked you that and you said maybe winky faced emoji? No, no, no. What, I did what, maybe and then the smirk, ma, the smirk face. Okay. Same thing. In my, it's not you know. the same thing, but okay. See, how he doesn't that? listen to me. Anyway, romance or relationship unknown. At least they'll be friendly, because Jai Chan seems to take an, a liking to Lyndon. She is at least intrigued by him, which leads me to conclude, or at least assume, that there's something going on there. Mm -hmm. But he cures her and tells her to tell her brother that he'd rather not fight him. And then he gets taken into custody by Skysworn, because using Black Flame is considered a threat against the Black Flame Empire. Mm-hmm. And Athan seems to be okay with this. He's like, yep, yeah, just don't kill him. Everything's great. You, you got him. He, you know, I'm going to go now. And not he doesn't say that necessarily, but that's kind of like the attitude that he has when talking to the Skysworn Underlord. Suriel discovers a message from Osriel, and you're going to have to fill in the audience on who that is, stating that he has gone off on his own to attempt to change 
how Abaddon deals with the chaos-destroying worlds. And more on that in an episode that we covered on the second book of the Cradle series. So another interesting thing before I'll let you take over and tell us about Osriel, Jonathan, is Suriel is looking at what's happening with Linden. If she telescopes out, it's still going according to her master plan or her general idea for Linden, but the way he's getting there is a little bit different than she expected. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting, and maybe we can earmark that for a little bit later in the episode. But Osriel, tell us about him. Osriel is the Reaper, and... He was one of the Abaddon, and we will learn more about him as the books go forward. He's going to pop up a couple times. Serial is hunting for him because he was an Abaddon who decided, I don't want to abide by this court's rules anymore because we're not actually doing anything. We're just diddling the court system that, on a galaxy level. He's like, yeah, this isn't worthwhile. And they're destroying worlds and placing people in other worlds. And taking them from this planet to that planet, then destroying and killing people. Millions and millions die just because of their diddling, to use your uh, apt term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Osriel is being hunted by Serial, and Serial is tied to the Way, which is this power source that everyone's sort of at least partly tied to. So, there's a whole space opera going on at the same time as we're zoomed in on Cradle itself, the planet, that pops out the most Abaddon. So Abaddon, people can ascend at some point to become Abaddon, but you have to be super strong to do that, which is how Abaddon are kind of created. And so current Abaddon go and then pull young recruits who are super powerful for the small puddle that they live in, but nothing on the scale of the galaxy and train them up to help the Abaddon court system. That's the rough overview. Cool. Well, that's a good one. Love it. So do you have any uh, notes, observations, anything stuck out to you in this half of the book? For me, this is where everything took off. Why don't you start then? Because I've read this a few times, and I don't want to sway your, your initial thoughts. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, it seemed to me... And although we're past chapter 13, I think, in our discussion, chapter 13, 14, what kind of pissed me off about Lyndon, and it feels like I'm going to be pissed off about Lyndon every book, which is okay. It's part of the fun. Lyndon hasn't learned anything, is what I put down in my notes, because I have a, on my iPhone, as I listen to the book, I take notes in iNotes. And that might be a harsh thing to say, because he's learned a few things, and I think he has grown. But what pissed me off about Lyndon is he still has this, I'm a whipped little puppy and I'm weak and I better find the easy way out. And how do I protect myself? And even when he's choosing Ethan in the last book, he's kind of like, maybe I shouldn't choose Ethan because Ethan's, you know, he's all powerful and maybe that will get me into trouble. Maybe if I stay with Fisher Gesha and just, you know, become a hermit in the woods of the Sand Viper clan or whatever the hell he wants to do. And I'll just fish and make scales for Fisher Gesser for the rest of my life. And that that kind of pissed me off a little bit. Listen, you are almost Jade. You have an underlord backing you. You have this girl who's literally your best friend. And your only friend. You're right. Your only best friend. <laughs> your only friend. She's taken upon herself to treat you like a little brother or a big brother. But in, like a brother in any case, right? You're, not, you're doing okay. You came from a crappy place. 
yes, in world I understand why he is so afraid. But at this point, I'm thinking, okay, just stop. You'll be fine. Go train. Of all the things you've seen in the last year or so, you should be a little bit more calm about what Ethan is doing because you've also seen him do some crazy stuff and you've seen your world being blown apart by cereal. You've met all sorts of formidable enemies. You've killed a freaking low gold or a high gold as a measly old iron. You've done okay for yourself. And you have friends who are backing you. You'll be good. You don't have to try to take the easy way out. Because for Lyndon, in my opinion, at least is what I got from the few chapters in this book, is yes, he wants to advance. Yes, he has drive and dedication. Yes, he's always looking for how to better himself because that drive is in him because of where he's come from. But at the same time, he has this like whipped little puppy mentality where like, well, what's the easiest, safest way? And how about I scurry and, and go that way? And I'm sure he's going to grow. But that kind of pissed me yeah. off a little bit in the in this person. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, well, on that point, right? So just a little bit ago, he was unsold. He had no power. He was a nobody. And so, yeah, he he's starting to understand that he can do the reps to become powerful. But to your point, he hasn't broken the belief system that he's weak. So, of course, he's going to act like this. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you don't start doing reps and then you're like, oh, I've I've succeeded in two levels now. Three because he's Jade. Well, so copper, iron, Jade. So three. Yeah, three. And now he's like, oh, I don't have to worry about being a weakling anymore. He's like, no, he's literally a minnow in a shark infested environment. Of course, he's going to feel weak and try and like find a way to get ahead because that's all he's known for his whole life. So it's it's a progress. It's a it's a work in progress for who he is as the character. Yeah. And I know I'm being, I'm nitpicking. I understand that. So for, for you and all the folks in the audience, I'm not literally mad at Lyndon or somehow upset with the character, but like watching him go through this stuff kind of pissed me off a little bit. It's an emotional response to the story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine, (laughs) but I understand why the way he is. So what are your thoughts on the second half? Yeah, so so something you didn't touch on is Orthos finally comes back to them in the trial and he is displeased with Lyndon. And this is going to happen pretty regularly because I love Orthos. And Orthos is like, that's not how a dragon does it. <laughs> and so he's like training this weakling to be a dragon. And he's like, the dragon advances, the dragon destroys, the dragon conquers. And he's like, Lyndon, what are you doing? That's so incorrect, it's obnoxious. And he doesn't, and this is one of the things I really like about Orthos. He's not only a good teacher, but he's proud of his heritage. And so he has no qualms, and he's not polite. And he's just like, no, a dragon doesn't allow fear to decide for him. And he has all these like wonderful one-liners that I really love. Because he's like, no, that's not how a dragon acts. On the contrast, there will be things that we see in the very near future that Orthos is terrified of. Mm, Okay. Like, not acting like a dragon terrified. (laughs) It doesn't happen often, but it does happen a couple times. And it is the funniest thing, because he tries to be proud, but you can tell he's terrified. Where he's just like, which is my impression of Orthos without giving anything away. 
Anyway, so that's one thing. Orthos does come and correct Lennon a little bit. And on that note, Little Blue is basically this drug for Lyndon and Orthos. She helps clear the Madra channels. If she leaves, they don't get to get ahead of their drug anymore. They're going to corrupt. If you recall last episode, I said that she's a free agent. She's not tied to Lyndon. So she gets to leave if she wants to, which is just something to keep in mind in terms of what could happen. So, but she's a drug. Like, oh, their Madra channels are corrupt. Little Blue needs to clear them out. But that takes a lot of energy out of all of them. So they're all kind of growing together. But just remember, she's a free agent. Another thing that I really enjoyed that I want to hear more of your thoughts on is Ethan is surprised by the coup, which really frustrates him, right? And in in this like big battle that starts happening in the Aurelius Black Flame Empire city, Black Flame City, we see all these people get jumped. There's a lot of people who are dying, but we see Cassius fight and... We see him trying to go run and find his wife and his son, but we also get this really fun moment where Cassius's wife is the number one ranked fighter in all of the Black Flame Empire. I'm trying to remember how she was described, but she's like missing an eye and has a scar, but she's the number one ranked fighter and he's married to her. So that's interesting because the red herring that we're shown throughout the reading is that Ethan is probably, he's ranked Number one, probably because he's in charge of the Black Flame Empire, but it never says that. Those are two different things. Being the person who's running the family versus the ranking system. It's interesting that the not most powerful person is running the family. Put that in your little hat and think about that for a minute. But back to the coup and the fight. What do you. What were your thoughts when they got overrun? Did you enjoy seeing Cassius? Did you enjoy seeing his, his wife fight? Um, yes. Yeah, that's that's what emotionally moved me. Oh, oh, this I, is the thing? Oh, this, all right. The, yeah. This Dive is the into thing. this. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, holy crap, Ethan and Cassius are going to die. No, they're not. They're not going to die. They can't die. They, they can't freaking die. What's going on? Because you haven't spoiled anything for me uh, no, for I the haven't. rest of the book. I was genuinely worried about Ethan and Cassius. I was worried that Cassius' wife would not make it to safety. But then everybody started kicking ass by everybody right. and Cassius and Ethan. And I was like, all right, right they're right. not going to die. Yeah. The tension is good. The red herring is good. It's a fun reveal too, where it's like, oh, Cassius's wife is the number one ranked. Like I really enjoyed that surprise the first time I read it. Cause it was like, oh shoot. Cause she's, she just kind of comes out of the blue. Like, oh yes, he has a wife. Oh yes. Ethan helped set them up to get married. There's a lot of things, and so Cassius kind of feels like he owes Ethan, which is interesting. And if I can get my, speaking of setting people up with their wives, if I can get my buddy mate Jake on, who I tried to get on last time, but he was just too busy, I set up him and his wife, and they ended up getting married, and now they got a couple kids. So it's just, it's interesting when I think you're on the receiving side of that, because I remind both of them, I'm like, hey, I set you guys up with a, you know, so are you going to return the favor or, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just remember, I'm holding that coin in my bag. Yeah, the, the people who set my wife and I up reminded us constantly of their... Hey, you owe us. Them, their meddling in our uh, affairs mm-hmm. and how their meddling turned out for the best. That's right. As, as they, a Yenta does. Yes. they li- As a, a yes. As a Yenta does. And they were both like, you should date each other. And separately to us. Told my wife, Slava's a good guy. You should date him. Told me. 
this girl is the best thing that could happen to you. Mm-hmm. You should date her. You should probably marry her. And I'm like, what? Leave me alone, dude. I just got here. I want to eat dinner. <laughs> like, what are you? Who's, who, who's this girl anyway? But uh, then they got us together. Mm-hmm. And we went on a couple of double dates, if you will. Mm-hmm. Then they weren't to like a restaurant or to anything. They were a community event. Sure. And the way they put us together alone for the first time was they got in the car and said, oh, sorry, no room for you. Uh, you can ride with Slava. Bye. And just like sped off. And then she was like, huh? What? Nice. Very nice. And the rest is history, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. So when this coup is happening, uh, to bring it back here for a second, Ethan ends up being a pure Madra underlord. Mm-hmm. Was that a surprise? No. Why? No, it wasn't. Because of all the stuff he could do, and his not only his powers, but his influence, and the fact that he took over for Cassius, which probably has something to do with either the latter or the former or a combination. I wasn't really surprised. And by that point, when he's wielding the powerful broomstick of Abaddon, okay, he has to be more powerful than what we've been led to believe because he has a broomstick and he's taking heads off of high golds. I'm like, all right, he's <laughs> there's something he's more than an underlord. But that didn't surprise me in the the direct sense of that. Mm-hmm. word a direct definition i was like oh my gosh didn't see that coming i was like oh okay that makes sense that's how i <laughs> that's how i took it yeah yeah so but there are implications here right so if he if he can be a pure madra underlord right. what about linden yes like there's a lot of techniques that he used like the hollow domain i think was one of them um mm-hmm. why isn't he teaching linden that he might be and just the next books, books to come. Just curiously. Yeah, he taught him a, a cycling technique to help him, and it's really helping Lyndon. Mm-hmm. Yaren is even like, who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. Is it the same, you know, little puppy that I took out of the, what's where do they come from? The Sacred Valley. Sacred Valley, thank you. Yeah, who, is this the little puppy that I took out of the Sacred Valley? This is the guy that's uh, advancing past me? Yeah. I have one more observation here, but I, I'm going to wait because you inspired a question. What do you think about the character development so far individually with Lyndon and Yaren? I know you complained about Lyndon's whining earlier, and then I kind of right. went off on a little thing. And so there might not be anything additional there. But I don't think there's anything additional there. Okay. I think both are growing well, despite my complaint about Lyndon earlier. I think they are responding to their environments like characters that are growing, right? That they're presented with similar problems and new problems. And apart from the little bitching and moaning that Lyndon does here and there, he has grown immensely. He's saying this one in gratitude a lot less. Yaren is also keeping herself in check because she also realizes that she has a fondness for Lyndon. And her place with Lyndon and Ethan. She's not in a bad place. I think Mm -hmm. she knows deep down inside, and I can't quote her right now, but in one of her internal dialogues, she's like, yeah, this is me paraphrasing. Yeah, this is not a bad thing. Okay, I need to stop complaining about Lyndon. Everything's going well. Let's keep going forward. Let's fight. Let's get this done. So I see 
growth in both of them. Mm-hmm. Do you think, because Yaren mentions, like, she doesn't really recognize Lyndon anymore. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Do you think that she will feel threatened at some point by Lyndon? Or do you think that Lyndon will surpass her in training? This is an interesting question you pose. I think, yes, Lyndon will surpass her because that just seems like a good story for a guy from nowhere, unsold, the pariah of his clan, to surpass his friend, the one who saved him. Mm, because that's mm-hmm. an interesting story to tell. And if we're going to okay. believe Serial, who told him what he will do to save his clan or showed him his future, to accomplish those things, he has to be more than a high gold or a true gold even, right? So, yes to your second question. No to your first question. Do you, do I think Yaren is going to be threatened by Lyndon? I don't think so. Maybe there'll be some conflict. That seems legitimate, right? There might be a little bit back and forth. Not back and forth. That's not what I'm saying. There might be a little bit of a conflict or some sort of a hurdle for them to overcome in their relationship. But I don't think she's going to feel threatened or jealous. I could be wrong, though. Let me put it another way. What insecurities do you think? Lyndon's insecurities are pretty blatant to us, right? Like, he was the weakest person ever, basically. He's now realizing that he's not, but he still lives as if he's the weakest person ever. Because he has to continue fighting people that are just leaps and bounds above his power level. Yeah. What insecurities do you think Yaren might come across in, say, the next book or the book after? Not being the best, not being able to live up to her master's level or her master's Mm -hmm. expectations. Yeah. Or her perception of what her master would have expected from her. Because she's in that never-ending night fight. And she always wants to be on top. She always wants to do better. She always wants to train. She wants to advance. And she's committed to getting as far ahead as possible and to survive. Mm -hmm. So I think her insecurities will be tied to those things. And if she sees Lyndon, even if she has affinity for him as a friend and true like brotherly or sisterly love, she might feel a pang of jealousy. Mm. because she's the one who had to survive from when she was a little kid. She was the one who had to survive all her master shenanigans and her hard training. She's the one who had to save Lyndon time and time again. She's the one who trained with him, and she's the one who's been with him through the good, the bad, and the ugly, and all of a sudden, he's leaps and bounds ahead of her. That might Mm -hmm. maybe bring some resentment, but I don't think it's going to be long-lived. Mm-hmm. Do you think they'll ever get split up in this in the narrative? Yeah, I think they will. That seems like a natural course for a story mm-hmm. to, you know, to split the main characters up, bring them together. I wonder, and this is tied to my Jai Chen thing, which I, I'm calling it now, putting mm-hmm. uh, putting 20 bucks on red, that Jai Chen has feelings for Lyndon or will develop feelings for Lyndon. Mm-hmm. And Lyndon probably is going to be oblivious to it because he's a little bit of an idiot. <laughs> but that's like most guys. <laughs> That's that's most men's stories, if we're being honest. Fair enough. Unless you're yeah. a real player. Like, I feel like Cassius would be more of a player. Like, you know, because yeah. he was raised in a regal home and royal home. But he's and married then you've to got Cyclops. Like, yeah, there you go. Okay, all right, keep going. No, I think it's a player thing. I think players know how to manipulate situations, right? And they can elicit feelings from girls. 
or the opposite sex. I think most guys are oblivious to these things. There's some guys yeah. that are just more mature, and I'm not talking about, or more aware, and I'm not talking about sexually or even romantically. They're just more aware of their surroundings. So whether it's a girl that likes them or a social cue or a response to a boss's maybe veiled threat or a boss's veiled compliment or some sort of hint somewhere in this world of ours, some people are just better adapted at responding to those things. And so they, they'll notice if somebody is flirting with them or likes them. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. Linda, not so much. Not so much. He'll probably say, apologies. Yeah, pa gratitude. You like me? Gratitude. This one, this one likes, likes you too. So I think Jai Chan is going to have feelings for Lyndon. And based on the questions you asked me, I wonder if Lyndon is going to be the guy that while Jai Chan likes him and she's probably the better fit for him, he's going to be, oh, wow, Yaren, she's been here by my side all this time. I think I like her now. I hope he's not that guy, but I feel like he might be that guy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Remember Slava assumes, dear audience, from... From the way of kings. So Slava assumes this might happen. And maybe that will be the split where Yaren leaves. Or maybe when Yaren leaves, he'll start pining for her. And develop some sort of, you know, a romantic attraction to her. I don't know. But I think all those things are possible. And that would make a good story too. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I like it. One of my last thoughts was... We talked about the Abaddon earlier and serial found a message from Osriel. In the message, Osriel is trying to change the Abaddon and the Abaddon court. Do you have any assumptions about that? I think, based on what I know about the Abaddon, which is this ruling court, and they diddle, meddle in the affairs of men and beasts, and they kill people. They destroy worlds, they build worlds, they transplant people from one world to another. So... Azriel, based on what you're saying, if he's trying to change the court, he's trying to change that mm -hmm. aspect of mm -hmm. it, right? Well, do me this. Do, 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 do this favor. So what do you know about the Abaddon court so far based on Serial's storyline, which is not a lot, but, you know, it's what are the current facts? And then from the current facts, like, what are the assumptions? She's looking for Azriel. She encountered Linden, right? She gave him that marble. Oh, 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 oh. Aethon has a marble, too. Tell us about that. Yeah, Aethon has a marble. And he knew that Lyndon had a marble. And then he shows Lyndon that he has a blue stone, too. I thought it was black. Was it black? I don't remember. But they both have the same type of stone or marble. Yeah, so you've got those facts about what Serial's up to, sort of. And a little bit about how the Abaddon Court's are run and a little bit of what she's up to. So we see frustrations from her side, both on Osriel leaving and sort of the work she has to do. So it's very minimal information, but based on these small pieces, what assumptions could you conjure? To reiterate, these Abaddon judges that take care of these worlds and iterations I don't want to say they have godlike powers. They don't necessarily uphold reality, but they have the ability to destroy. If Serial trusts Osriel and there was a relationship there, that mm -hmm. was a close relationship, 
And if Azrael feels the need to talk in riddles or send messages that are cryptic, or she has to, you know, break a code to get the actual, you know, words that he's using, and she asks her, um, what's that thing that helps her? Her presence, Serial's presence. So her presence has to decipher the some of uh, Osriel's words for her. If all that's going on, previous relationship, Osriel needs to be cryptic. Her frustrations with the judges. Could there be a coup going on in the Abaddon court? Yeah, could be. That would be that would be my assumption. Also, I just double checked. Yeah, Athens marbles black. Okay, okay, but he has a marble, just like you called out. There might be a darker secret mm. that we as the readers don't know yet. Besides Azriel's disagreement with the way the court is run, there might be internal strife or internal disasters. Maybe let's put it that internal strife that's breeding a disaster. And maybe okay. that's why Azriel pieced out too. Yeah, I think those are fair assumptions because we really are limited on our information at the moment. And that's on purpose because things. So, nice. Did you want to quickly cover the definitions of the con the, the category that we are in as a book uh, again? Yeah. For those who don't know, the themes of the book and where Will White draws a lot of his inspiration from for the Cradle series is from Zianzia and Wuzia. Zianzia is literally... Immortal heroes and Wuzia is literally, and by that I mean that's what it's translated as, martial heroes. So, Zianzia heavily focuses on spiritual growth, mastery of superpowers, your fate, multiple realms of reality, interaction with legendary creatures and spirits, all of which we see in some shape or form in the Cradle series. And Wuzia by contrast, is more grounded in the human world with limited supernatural elements. And it mostly emphasizes personal growth, specifically within the realm of martial arts, of vendettas, treasure hunting, justice, and power struggles. We see all of these things happening in, in Black Flame and Unsold and every book that we have read and will read in the Cradle series. And those themes are going to repeat. Nice. Some of the stuff that I liked from the this book, right, is I just really love progression fantasy. I just do. It's inspirational to me. I've said this before. I will say it again. It speaks to me, right? So there's something about it that helps me move forward in, in my life. That's one of the first things that I liked about this book. Let's do a back and forth on this one. What What about you? What's something that you um, liked or disliked? I think the second half of it was amazing. I enjoyed the plot points. I found them captivating. When I thought that Ethan might die or Cassius might die and that might throw things into upheaval, I I was genuinely upset by that. That, that might be a fact. That's, that's when Ethan comes back and shows Lyndon his black stone, black marble. I've I found that very um um what's the word I'm looking for? Help help me the word. It, it was 
it was like brotherly, right? I found that sweet. Be sweet as in it was endearing. Their relationship became a little bit more closer. And it showed that oh, yeah. Ethan, for all his eccentricities, <laughs> is really a good dude, it seems. He is. And he's really sweet to Lyndon. Both of those things I found very captivating as plot points. That'd be my like. Second half, just mm-hmm. amazing part of the book. One of, uh, this is another thing I love, is the pacing. And I, and I think we talked about this a little bit ago. You don't really get to appreciate the pacing when everything is brand new. Um, especially when someone recommends it and, and like I have, and we talked about this too, where it's like, I recommended it. So you're expecting a lot of things to happen, but like any good story, you need peaks and troughs, right? You need high moments and then like a little bit of a slowdown because if it's all just high moments, it's like, Oh, well, and the pacing's off. And I think white does a good job at peaks and then troughs where he's like building something. And then there's, uh, some exposition. I think he does a really good job at that. I think so too. And I think one of the peaks that I liked is Jai Long's revenge. That was a favorite of mine. And not saying I'm back in Jai Long or I necessarily like him as a character, but I liked this aspect of his character. He does what needs to get done. And I like a good revenge caper. So him going on a revenge mm-hmm. for his sister and for himself, often some of those Jai clan uh, fellows I, I was down with that how do you think based on your theory that jai chen and linden are going to get together how's that going to affect jai long and like they're supposed to fight here that's a good question jai chan is his little sister so he's going to be protective of her there might be some strife because of her feelings for linden but if linden doesn't know any better of what's going on then jai long is probably gonna want to keep it that way him and jai long specifically linden and jai long specifically i think it's gonna be very difficult for jai long not to fight him if they don't fight i don't know what's gonna happen he might be like oh you saved my sister well fine just mm-hmm. like i did with gorkin and just like i did with jai douche whatever die, die, jai, not jai, jai douche jai daisho where he just pivots and goes, okay, well, what's the best thing for me right now, for my sister right now? So he might pivot with Lyndon too, mm-hmm. because his goal is to preserve himself and keep his sister alive and well and even find a cure for her. Mm-hmm. So now that she's cured, he might embrace Lyndon as a brother. Who knows? Just because the way he's pivoted a couple of times now. Yeah. Or he might, you know, go on a rampage, you know, throwing chairs because he can't kill Lyndon because of his friend. So that would be interesting. I, I can't wait to see what happens there. <laughs> Do you but. feel like the bad guys in this series so far are clear-cut and well-defined? Because you just said a moment ago that Jai Long, Jai Long, like he wants to protect his sister. Like you clearly know what he wants. I think we've seen bad people, and they're clearly bad, douchey people. Mm-hmm some of the main characters, they might be the antagonists to Lyndon, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily the bad guy, quote, unquote, right? Okay. Like Jai, Jai Chan, Jai, Jai Long, excuse me. Gorkin with the Sand Vipers, they seem like they're kind of bad guys, mm-hmm. right? Jai Dai Show too. Jai Dai Show too. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. But Jai Long specifically seems like he's just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And he's dealing with the hands that have been dealt to him. Yeah. And he's responding. So even his revenge, that's why I'm okay with his revenge. I'm kind of like, hey, cool. Uh, not only because I like a revenge caper, but because I think, yeah, this guy has a legitimate reason for being mad and angry. He's not a clear bad guy, to answer your question. And I don't right. think he's a bad guy. He might be an adversary of Lyndon, but an adversary of the main character does not, does not equal bad guy yeah. in the clear yep. sense. Makes sense. So do you feel like the bad guys that you have seen... Well, I guess let me try and fix the question. Do you feel like all of the characters you meet, you know what they want? Not you don't have to like roll through the whole Rolodex of people, right? But as a thought, generally yes. Okay. Generally yes. I might be wrong in my assumptions or my my conclusions because of you know the progress where I am in the books, but I feel like I know what Jai Long wants. I know what Yaren wants, what Lyndon wants. Yep. Even Aethon, I know what he wants. Even Cassius, I know what he wants. He just wants peace and quiet, Mm -hmm. and he wants Aethon to stop being a a crazy person. Yes. And he just wants to enjoy his wife and kid. Yeah. Right? And not have to deal with Aethon's eccentricities. What about Jai Daisho? What does Jai Daisho want? Power. He wants power. Yeah. He wants uh, to be able to... He knows he's dying, Mm -hmm. and he wants to maintain his thing whatever that thing his is legacy his legacy all the, all the things right right and, and the that thing will be revealed as we as we progress he wants to maintain power legacy a particular way of running the clan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right so he knows that jai long or he thinks that jai long will be the guy because yeah. jai long is willing to kill his own clan for his sister so Jai Daishao probably goes, ah, this is the type of guy I need. This right. is who I can train and manipulate and then give over power because he will run things the way I think they need to be run. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's why I asked the question because I, I actually think Will White does a very good job at this and he describes these characters super well. And when you know what a character wants, the story is better. When you don't know what a character wants, it's a lot harder to enjoy the story. Now, that doesn't mean that you can never have characters who you're not sure what they want. But it does mean that you should have some idea of what they want, even if that changes. Yeah. Like Jai Chan, for example, the little sister. I mean, she probably wants to get better, but we don't necessarily know what her ambitions are or what she wants. It's to get better, Slava. You just said it. Like When you're you're lying on a bed and your whole clan has thrown you to the wolves to literally be eaten because they just don't care. Like Fair. Yeah. But... You know, outside of that, we don't know what she, she wants to do now that she's cured. What does she want to do now? Mm-hmm. Does she want to walk around more? Does she want to, you know, tie Lyndon to a chair and sing him songs? I, I, you know, whatever the the Jai clan does to uh, to woo uh, the opposite sex. What does she want? Because yes, I was to get better, but you think of characters in books where they're dying or they're sick, and yes, the. Everybody will want to get better, but there's other things that people desire, right? There's mm-hmm. as characters, so, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So we don't know her yet. True. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, that's all I wanted to bring up is is really um, a, a a head nod to Will White and his ability to write characters clearly, 
so that we know what they want. And it feels in-world, and it feels like they have progress. It's it's really well done. Anyway, the last, and this character, we actually don't know what he, well, we do, we do know what he wants. He wants to get better, too. Orthos. I love that Orthos puts Linden in his place. Mm. He's such a great add to the cast. I can't tell you. Yes. The books would not be the same without Orthos. This will unpack more as, as time goes on, so I won't dive into it a whole lot. But just know that I love Orthos so much. He's the best. He is the best. I, I come to enjoy him as a character, too. Okay. Quick rating scale, and then we will uh, we will prep for what happens next time. Story, story and plot. What do you give it? One out of five? Four. Okay. What about characters? 4.5. Okay. Nice. All around, this is going to be a four for me, unless mm-hmm. some of the books are just completely, yeah. you know, out of the out of left field. I don't like it for some reason. Sure. But characters this time around, 4.5 because of Jai, uh, Jai Long's thing, the revenge part, mm-hmm. and Orthos coming into play. Yeah. So they, that gets an extra half a point, uh, yep. 4.5. Nice. And what about the world? How's the world building? Because you've got your three books deep now. And yeah. it's a solid four. Okay. Solid four. Yeah. Nice. Mine, the first time I read it, it's fives. And it's, it is, it is like, I have a bias toward progression fantasy. Like, I'll say it a million times. It just, it really works for me. I just relate with this, uh, this underdog mentality and late blooming and then the whole shtick. This time around, it's a four or five on all three story, plot, and characters. And that's just because having read it a, a few times now, I can go, oh, you know, this could have been a little better. Still good, just similar to, like, you've read Rainy Day a few times, and you're like, ah, I like it, it's fun, but, you know, I also know where it could be better, so. Yep. Yeah. Rainy season. Rainy season. Same, same. Is it that? No, but <laughs> that's okay. What's happening that's next it. time? What's what's the setup for part three, Slava? Well, if all goes well, Spencer, our buddy, mm-hmm. uh, our mind-reading millionaire from planet xanadu that's right he's going to be back on cradle and we'll talk black flame we'll get his responses we'll get his scale and see what uh what popped to his head as he read about jai long and see if he agrees with me that jai chan and linden well, he probably knows already he's on book a, 10 he knows yeah you see all right he'll he'll back me up He's, he, you know, I mean, it's not the first time you and a guest have ganged up on me, so won't be the last, well, probably. It's been three for three. Each guest that you brought on. Oh, I know. As happened, I know. That's happened. Which begs the question, Jonathan, because we're having my friend over for a book. We're reading Survivor by Chuck Palahniuk. Mm-hmm. He's a Ukrainian last name. I think that's how you'd say it, Palahniuk. He's the guy who wrote Fight Club. He also wrote a book called yep. Survivor. My friend Jess, Jessie's coming on. I wonder if she'll side with you. Game, gang up on you with me? Gang up on me. Yeah. Um, she's a big fan of Chuck. She's read Survival a few times. Very excited being on the podcast. She listens to the podcast, enjoys oh, our nice. little uh, banter. So That's fun. I thought it'd be fun to have her on because Which more of my friends cool listen person. to the podcast. They'll never hear this, though. Anyway. Yeah. She's a really cool person. I've enjoyed getting to know her over the last year or so. And we'll see. We'll see. She's also a bibliophile, a voracious reader. 
Mm-hmm. I think she'll be a good addition to the podcast, and maybe we'll Our get cast another of characters. Book yeah, Our you cast should. Cast of characters. Get her into the Cosmere. Yeah, yeah. I think I will. I think I will. I'll recommend it for her, and maybe she'll be able to come on an episode or two or a recap episode yeah, of a yeah. book. That would be fun. Look, she's got time if she wanted to be on Words of Radiance. Yeah. We'll just have to figure out her schedule. Yeah, yeah. She she could jump in like every X, you know. Anyway, it's an idea. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm super excited about The Lies of Locke Lamora. And honestly, look, if she really enjoys being on the podcast, bring her on for Lies of Locke Lamora. If she likes a heist story, this is, this is going to be fun. So Lies of Locke Lamora. I am, again, putting my money on black that Slava's going to love these characters. I'm also going to hear the complaint on the front end in the first six chapters that Spencer gave me where it's like, it's slow. You six chapters in, man. Like, you need to understand the world, the context, what's going on. It's the first book of a series, too. So, but Liza Locke Lamora after Survivor by Scott Lynch. Very excited about that. But that's today's episodes, friends. Adventurers. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a side quest. Happy treasure hunting. <laughs>